0: ESPN 1000
1: Chicago's home for sports oh, Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000 okay. Thank you.
0: ESPN 1000 it's Hanley, it's Xander on a Sunday, nice long holiday weekend what are your plans tomorrow?
2: Brian, Labor Day,
0: you're uh, not going to do any work, are you?
2: Uh, no, you've, you've you're an admonishment not to do any work. I no put the uh, put the projects off. Certainly some barbecuing, um, but uh, but you're going to have somebody else do that because that would be working, right? No, I enjoy that actually. Okay, I, I do enjoy that. What are what are you uh, good
0: at uh, throwing on the grill? What's your favorite?
2: Uh, I do you know pretty basic stuff, but pretty good the steaks, chicken breasts, pork chops. Um, Marinated, not marinated, seasoned, unseasoned, whatever you want. I can, I can, nothing extravagant. I'm not like some of these guys with the rotisserie grills and the... No rack of ribs? No. See, ribs intimidate me. I don't know why that is. The parboiling and the whole... No, you, well,
0: you know what? There, there is an art and science, and I know this because I failed more than a few
2: times. Right.
0: Uh, until I got there.
2: They're labor intensive. And I always that that's the one food, the one thing you could probably barbecue if you wanted to that. I think you probably get better ordering out or or going to get to a real good barbecue place that I I could never come close to to getting what I can get by just picking up the phone and having someone deliver.
0: Right. It would be more of a convenience at this point because there's many, many people that know exactly what they're doing. Uh, you know, Ben Pope knows what he's doing. He's uh, working for the Sun-Times, writing about the Blackhawks. And Ben joins us here on ESPN 1000. Ben, what are you doing tomorrow? Oh, okay. We're, we're going to get him uh, soon here. Um, he's parboiling ribs right now, apparently. Yeah, well, that that's obviously He's getting ready for tomorrow. Uh, but we're going to talk to him about the, uh, the Blackhawks and what's going on there. I, I'm really intrigued about these moves we'll never really know what happened with uh you know these uh management moves you know the office moves the other day we really won't know uh, and it'll be interesting to see if he has any insight that he hasn't shared already about
2: well, what yeah, was
0: really behind this because we've got all that drama in the background right
2: well and look the, the interesting thing was no one when the down started start falling this off season um, as much as I thought Duncan Keith's game, had kind of, you know, passed him by. No one, no questioned his commitment and his the way he approached his game and kept himself in shape. But at his age, you know, he was more in a step slow, but you weren't spoiled for choice on the blue line anyway. So you needed an upgrade there. But I, no one really saw, even the fact they had a no movement trade or no movement clause in his contract, that he was going anywhere, right? I mean, he talked about wanting to play hockey forever. Well, it's just not going to be with the Blackhawks. So when that domino fell and then you start and then you you know, Andre Fleury became available and the trade was made and yet initially he said maybe I'll retire.
0: He I don't want to play here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Not
2: sure what the Blackhawks are all about these days, but then he did some homework and apparently Jonathan Taves and some of the hawks down the phone and sold them on the fact that this is a, a good landing spot and good things can happen here. But he didn't want to uproot his family at his age, at his point in his career, after the success they had. he had in Vegas. Oh, he made enough money. He can have five houses in all different sure.
0: markets. And know, there's no uprooting like right. we would have
2: to do. Right. So then you go get Seth Jones and make the trade. You give him a ton of money. And, you you know, you got his brother first and then you get Seth Jones. So now, you know, also the blue line looks a lot better. And you get Connor Murphy uh, re-upped at a, a – you know, very friendly, what, four year, four million dollar per contract. So everything started happening rather quickly here. You know, you didn't see the moves coming necessarily at the beginning of the summer, and then they just kept coming, right? So I'm mm-hmm. wonder if Hawks fans uh you know how excited they are. Three one two, three three two, three seven seven six. Uh does it change your perspective going into the season? And the other aspect is, uh, with all the reporting being done on the lawsuits and whether the Blackhawks covered up um, the allegations of sexual assault and handled it uh, the wrong way and maybe uh, illegally at that. I, I don't hear a lot here. There's certainly a lot being written about it, uh, and, and certainly on social media people weighed in, but there's been a lot of reporting on it. But I don't hear Hawks fans talking about it, that it's even on their radar. It doesn't seemingly change the way they perceive the Blackhawks as a team they want to root for, Mark. And you, I know Yeah, some people are like, well, how couldn't it, you know, would not you you know don't you feel bad that you're if the team is it in fact did mishandle this to the point where it was a co- a cognizant thing to do, like bury it because they were on the cusp, cusp of winning the 2010 Stanley Cup championship, and they didn't want any of the distractions that would have come along with this had that become public at the time um, but it doesn't seem like Blackhawk fans really have a, an interest in finding out you know who did what. When did they do it, when didn't they do it, and why didn't they do it? It seems like just get me my Vesna winning uh, goaltender and Kevin Lincoln in will be a nice backup, and hopefully Jonathan Taves is back and ready to go at the start, and Patrick Kane has dealt with whatever illness or injury he had that he sort of revealed at the end of the season without going into specifics. And you know, get me the hockey season, I think that we'll be a much better team, and I wonder how Hawks fans really believe, if you know, how much they believe there are going to be a much better team. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. you do bring
0: up an interesting point. Now, I am surrounded in my family and otherwise by Blackhawk fans, and there are a few in my uh, inner circle here that are just obviously horrified. I, I don't think that there's a question about uh, the allegations and how horrific they are, but how do they affect your fandom right now, and what do you need to see from the Hawks to make you feel better about what apparently – has transpired even though it's 10 11 years removed so we would love to hear from you on that point too 312-332-3776 at some point we hope to get ben pope on to talk about uh, a couple of the articles he wrote for the sun times on the blackhawks but for me brian i just got to see them you know uh, we made reference to the old boys club pull for days and all that and and i'm not I mean, I think we could speculate that it would be handled differently then, as it will now, hopefully. But I think with Danny Wirtz, I think they are going to be transparent. That's what they have promised with the investigation. They have promised transparency and to be upfront about things. And that's what I expect as a fan.
2: Well, you mentioned Rocky Wirtz and, and the, you know the changes made since he took over uh, once his dad passed away. And they were immediate and they were – Astounding and they yeah. were earth moving when in terms of what you know the, the old Blackhawks organization looked like. It was and life he became,
0: changing for fans. Life and change. he
2: became a rock star in this city, yes. right? I mean yes, and he he, he soaked it all in and rightfully so. He you know, he took the victory lap, was out at restaurants and bars and with the Stanley Cup and people backslapping and wanting to take pictures and get autographs so at the United Center. He'd walk around and sign all the things that come with winning. And I will say this, because back when I was covering the beat years ago, when I, it seemingly, and, and actually it was a fact, every few months I was at a press conference for a firing of a GM or a coach and a hiring of a new GM or coach, and sometimes both in the same year. I think I covered eight coaches within about seven or eight years uh, of the Blackhawks. But I remember Rocky Wirtz went to the podium for the first time. Now, this is back in the late 90s, I want to say. And uh, maybe it was the Mike Mike Smith firing, or one one GM or firing, or head coach firing, and that was the first time I, I'd seen Rocky Wirtz. And um, Peter Wirtz was the the son who had the office down the hallway from. He Bill seemed Wertz. to be the heir apparent. Exactly right. I mean, I sat in his office many times and talked about you know big picture plans and how much input he has. You know, because Bill Wirtz was getting older and. You know, that if you ask me which Wirtz son was going to take over, it you know, the guy at the office at the United Center in the hockey department was going to be the guy. But it moved very swiftly when Rocky Wirtz uh took took the, the role in the reins. And I remember Rocky Wirtz stood up at a podium before he even had a title with the Blackhawks, other than being, you know, part of the ownership, and mm-hmm. said the fish stinks from the head down and that's gonna change. And I wrote a, a column in the Sun Times at that time at, off that press conference saying, those are very refreshing words that I never heard articulated at the United Center. Now he just has to back it up. And, you know, he wrote me a letter uh, back in the old snail mail, you know, saying I I fully intend to back it up and I mean every word of it and just, you know, wait and see. But even at that time, it would be a few years removed or many years removed until obviously, you know, as long as Bill Wirtz was alive and well, uh, no one was going to suggest that he step aside and, let Rocky or Peter or the younger blood take over because that just wasn't done in the words family. But once Rocky did take over, I mean, he had a plan and he had, uh, he, he executed
0: had, really well. You know,
2: and with John McDonough and Jay Blunk's help. Right. I mean, I love that story that, that, um, that they went to a champion's uh, sports bar out in, Oakbrook um, Oak Brook or, or Schomburg, maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. And that Rocky words, John McDonough thought he was just going to go out there because Rocky Wirtz wanted to pick his brain about how you change marketing or you know change the you know the the perception of a, a dormant uh, sports organization. And Rocky Wirtz said, "No, I was I went in there fully intending to hire John McDonough away from the Cubs, and I wasn't taking no for an answer." And then John and that's McDonough, what we
0: needed at that time.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. John McDonough makes the move, and and you know they pay him big money to make the move, and. It was a very demanding president, uh, you know, people within the offices. His mantra was, bring me greatness. And he would repeat that in almost every meeting he had. And he had hockey operations and the business operations people in the same meetings. So they all got the same message and knew what the others were doing and what the expectations of both were. So it was very interesting, uh, the management style, but it was also a very tiring management style that, you know, the, the rank and file, you know, th- they were... There, there was much demanded of them, and mm-hmm. I don't know if that burned out some people, but certainly the results were uh, three Stanley Cup championships and a, a whole different uh, vision for fans in this city of how the Blackhawks operate and the expectations and the, where the bar is set uh, moving forward.
0: Right, and, and that bar is still high, and we still have a lot of expectations. Dale from Woodridge is uh, calling in here on ESPN 1000 Wants to Talk Blackhawks. Yeah. Hey, Dale.
1: Uh, Brian, I I do have to disagree with you. For I, I was one of the people sitting in two thousand five, six, seven, and looking and saying, uh, you know, wow, there there's not many people here, but we saw that they were going to be good because we knew that Dale Talon had drafted good, mm-hmm. and anybody could have done. We, we set a bar one time and said. You know, what would you do if you took over the Hawks? Right away, were like, we'd put them on TV. And yeah. this was two oh six. So, uh, you know, I don't think McDonough did anything yeah. that a Black fan would have said. And in fact, I was a Ranger fan when I was a kid, hmm. not because I liked the Rangers, but because when my dad and my family would go out for pizza. The Rangers were on TV, right. so when I got older, we we're like, "Hey, you know, uh, 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 anybody could open them on TV." But my right. point is, McDonald was the guy who ran that uh, ran that organization, like you said, and he was the guy who covered up this sexual assault thing. He well, said, allegedly. "We're not letting that happen. We're in the middle of a Stanley Cup run." And he was the one who basically shoved it under the rug.
2: Well, it certainly happened on his watch. And thanks for the call. And yeah, that, thanks, Dale. They, and, and, you know, look, look, putting the Blackhawks on
0: TV was a no-brainer. I was a season ticket holder in the late 80s at the old stadium. And I knew that that was the answer, too. And we all knew that uh, – Uh, Bill Wirtz, as as he was always affectionately known as Dollar Bill Wirtz, was just hanging on to the idea of forcing people to get them to the stadium by blacking it out. And that was just a very misguided. Yeah, misguided and antiquated approach. Uh, But he was an old schooler. So that was. And and Mark,
2: to your to your point, I remember watching kids. Little kids, if they showed up at the United Center wearing uh, Mighty Ducks Anaheim Ducks jerseys, right? absolutely, I
0: remember that too. It is right, like,
2: and it, because and it, yeah. so the the idea, the old school idea that you have to buy a ticket to see the Blackhawks, they're not we're not giving it away free on TV, which is by by the way not free. I mean, they couldn't command a lot of money back in the day. Right, but there
0: are ad dollars that you would
2: recoup. Right, obviously. I mean, they, they weren't. You know, it's not like you know the Bears can command X number of dollars, or the Cubs or White Sox be, when they're winning. You know, everyone's fighting to to get the be their broadcast partner. But I remember having a conversation with Bob Pulford one time, saying once they were on TV, I said, "Hey, why why do you still start games at seven thirty? Because if you started even a half hour earlier." First of all, younger you know kids can go because you're getting to bed at a decent hour instead of getting home at or 1130, maybe you get home at 1030, and they have school the next day, people have to work the next day. And I said, this is the re- real reason. The 10 o'clock news will have a live shot from your locker room or outside your locker room after every game at home no because doubt. your game's wrapping up right when their newscast is starting, right? Yep. I mean, yep. just simple things like that, that that you want to market a team and get as much coverage and exposure as possible. Yet Bill Wirtz used to, back in the day, people did dress up in a suit and tie or come from work where they had worn a suit and tie, and women were dressed to the nines. And the top hat. yeah. Yeah, they would go out to dinner and have a nice dinner, and they would make their way to the old Chicago Stadium, and that was the routine. And so Bill Wirtz would think that people still did that instead of, Oh, by the way, now there's two income houses and people, you know, families can barely sit right. down and have dinner together because of all the different schedules. A lot of
0: difference schedules. between 1963 Amen. and 1983. Amen. And we're going to continue on this, and uh, we're going to get to more Bears talk, and we're going to get to back to baseball, too, here.
2: Hey, I have a list uh, for you. Yeah. Oh, you uh, have a list? I love lists. The Ringer ranks all 45 Bears quarterbacks from 1985 on. Worst to first. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't wait for this. That is coming up and more here on
0: ESPN 1000. It's Hanley and Xander. We'll be right back. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Welcome back into ESPN 1000. Family and Xander, we invite you to join the conversation. 312 332 3776. Talking about the Blackhawks right now, a couple days ago, it was announced that uh, Jay Blunk and James Gary depart. Uh, new management shifts focus. We know Danny Wirtz took over the team from Rocky in December of 2020. They're going to have a lot of focus on attracting younger fans, Brian. And then, of uh, obviously, we have the backdrop of the uh, the scandal in the background while there is an investigation going on right now. And then all the off-season moves on the ice. We have Dave from Elmwood Park joining us here this morning on ESPN. You're with Hanley and Xander. Hey, Dave.
3: Good morning. I've been listening intently to your talk about the Blackhawks scandal, and it doesn't bother me one iota in terms of my enjoyment as a fan, because unfortunately, just because somebody files a lawsuit doesn't mean it's gospel truth. And people in these contexts always say it's about change and dignity, but it's really about money. And I think that if we give it credence or even cover it, you know, we might be actually aiding and abetting a shakedown of the Wurtz family. And uh, so I just tune it out completely.
2: Interesting well, take. It, it, yeah,
0: it, that is. I mean, the media has to cover that. It's a story. That's what the media does. But it's up to the end user to use it as they will.
2: It is is a... Is as bad, Dave, as the allegations are against a player on the roster um from the video coach at the time, taking allegedly taking advantage. And everyone you know, the reporting is that everyone on the team was well aware of what the player was saying uh took place, uh, to the point where he was being um insulted and, and you know
1: yeah, perhaps,
2: uh, yeah, chided about it mm-hmm. the 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 further one i don't know would you feel the same way if you were the the father of the high school player that this guy went on to coach in michigan and he was convicted of sexual assault there if in fact as alleged the blackhawks gave uh bradley aldrich a glowing uh, report and recommendation to be hired as a volunteer coach would you would you have that with you know, was is it a shakedown then if you had to deal with a son who had been a victim of that?
3: To the father of the son, no. But one of the plaintiff's lawyers tried to get the Blackhawks to waive one of their statute of limitations defenses under some, you know, it's just the right thing to do. But that lawyer's not going to waive uh, her fee. So you see, a lot of this is tainted. And I, I think the media is literally aiding and abetting, you know, a plaintiff's hmm. complex by just... Uh, Going on and on and on. Unrelated, I saw Michigan State Northwestern, and I had never heard Beth Mallins before. Her voice is so shrill and unpleasant. I literally watched the video, but I turned on Dave Emmett and uh, Ted Albrecht because I, I, I'm not anti woman, but her voice is like fingernails <laughs> on a chalkboard. I don't know how she got into broadcasting. I don't know why. All she's
0: right, on Dave. TV, <laughs> <but she's- laughs>
2: all right Dave. Uh, well thanks uh,
0: thanks for the call dave yeah and D-
2: and in. dave is world-class and ted they've been doing it forever so i mean it's a it's a great broadcast team um interesting take though that it's a shakedown and here's the thing mark we don't know what we don't know but if you believe and, and there's hope, a
0: lot we don't know
2: well and i and i want to believe too, that isn't. the Blackhawks hiring i think it was jenner and block uh one of the big law firms in town to do a in what well, they termed an independent investigation as to mm-hmm. how they handled this situation Hopefully, it is, in fact, independent, even though they are uh, paying for the in- investigation and spending a lot of money, I would imagine. Hopefully, um, I don't know. Will they keep that report in-house? Will they reveal the results of it? Um, well, remember, they did They did make a statement saying that they will be
0: transparent. Right. What does that really mean? How deep does right. that transparency go? That will be the question. And look, we can get it. I mean, you know, we can go down the rabbit hole of this whole thing about well, lawyers are involved and lawyers charge money. I, you know, we don't need to go there. Look, there are some horrible allegations going on, and we need to know if there was a cover-up because that is going to unfortunately taint what happened in 2010. It, it just will. Yeah, and again. To a certain I, degree.
2: Yeah, and I, that's
0: up to the end user.
2: Well, and again, the, I don't know family. how many yeah. Blackhawks fans sh- uh, share Dave's perspective on it, but it is his perspective, I'm glad he yep. weighed in. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. But you're, you're you said season ticket holder in the '80s. Uh, I'm sure you're you're still a uh, heart and soul passionate Hawks fan, whether you have season tickets or not. Um, were you surprised that the change, seemingly change of direction and aggressiveness of this offseason with Stan Bowman and the team?
0: I, yeah, I definitely was. Um, you know, I I applaud Stan and the moves that he made. We'll see if they're the right moves, you know, both short-term and long-term. But it was a bit of a surprise. And, and you, you know, you wonder in the background, you know, they said it was part of a rebuild, right? And then all of a sudden, we just hit another gear. It's as if he was shifting from first to fourth. Yeah. You know, he didn't hit second and third. So you've got to wonder, and again, does all of this background noise uh it'll contribute to this, but does Stan all of a sudden feel like he's gotta make an immediate impact right now for
2: his future? Interesting. For a guy who's dead, was for, sped up. Yeah. The guy who's you know bet the helm of championships. You know, we sit here and talk about Ryan Pace getting a seventh season with a losing record, and Matt Nagy, you know, seemingly not on the clock either. And to think that Stan Bowman, who you know got the title of of president right um, yep. so i i don't know if that meant more money or even a bigger office, but in the initial restructuring of the front office, Stan seemed to uh, to get elevated in terms of his sway of of the direction of the organization and i don 't know if a lot of Hawks fans think that 's a good thing or they think that 's necessarily you know an improvement over status quo but he did make moves, uh, surprising moves, and, and I know some people don't think Seth Jones was worth the, uh, the collateral that you sent to Columbus or certainly the money you're paying him, but he got you know, Connor Murphy on the other end of the spectrum to a, a very team-friendly deal. So uh, you, it looks like you've improved one of the glaring areas where you need improvement, and that's on the defense anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, I was not upset about Duncan Keith as much as I thought I would be because I thought it was a bit of a, it was a friendly move, right? Duncan said he hadn't seen his son, Uh, you know, with the border being closed, his son was up near Vancouver, I guess. And during the COVID lockdown, these are family issues that anybody with a family could understand. Duncan's winding down his career. I'm sure he wanted to retire here, but family necessities kind of called him to this point of saying, Hey, I would like to be traded. I'll waive my trade clause. So we thank him for his service, and I think it—you know—it's great that he will have that—you uh, uh, know—ability to be closer to his son. But it, in the end, you're right; the defense had to be improved, and you know maybe we held on to some players too long. But of course, it was Bowman that put some—you uh, know—solid no-trade deals together.
2: Yeah, everyone got and, one. <laughs> and,
0: right, right, and 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 that was an issue. However, you know, when it worked, it really worked, and sometimes you have to. You, know, you have to put yourself in a position for the short-term to win, and then long-term you just deal with that other stuff later, and that's what really happened. And there have been times where we, we've talked to callers and people just want to give all the credit to Dale Talon for drafting some of these kids. And, yes, a lot of credit does go to him, but it was under Stan Bowman's watch that we won those three cups, and it wasn't just about those youngsters. It was about other moves made and the guidance of him. So, you know, he is a Stanley Cup-winning GM, now president, and he is trying to make some moves to improve this team. We just didn't know that we were, you know, getting here so quick.
2: Okay, we'll when, we, when we yeah. come back, I'm going to take you yeah. kicking and screaming down memory lane Okay. And go through some of the great uh, quarterbacks the Bears have employed since the Super Bowl team in 1985. Um, and how because, many
0: – what was that number? I know we've uh, com- uh, compared to Green Bay, and it was uh, – the number yeah, was 40-something?
2: Yeah. Brad Biggs used to, to – I think he still keeps the toll. Um, from the Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers era, um, how many quarterback changes the Bears had compared to two Hall of Fame quarterbacks uh, right. flying their trade up in Green Bay. Yes. And uh, back in the day, it was the mid-30s. Well, this one, we're up to 45. The ringer. <laughs> right. the, the ringer rated – Forty-five different quarterbacks, worst to first, in the great history of Chicago Bears uh, quarterbacks. So we'll do I that for today. Back. Yeah,
0: we will. It's Hanley uh, and Xander here on ESPN One Thousand.
1: Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN One Thousand.
0: ESPN with Dawson, Henley and Xander. I can't wait for this list, Brian. How many quarterbacks have we had on the uh, Chicago Bears since, oh, what uh, What was the start of this list? What year? Well, Super Bowl year. The Bears. Super Bowl, Yo, 85, know, sure, okay. Yeah. So we've had 167
2: quarterbacks? Yeah, uh, uh, 45 um, <laughs> have taken snaps. Forty-five. Which, you know, Forty-five. <laughs> most teams wouldn't go, you know, that deep. But, you know, the Bears being the Bears. Uh, and oh, look, we went I mean, deep, the, all right. There's no, there's no suspense here, right? I mean, the, the debate would be with Jim McMahon, who uh, was the quarterback of the Super Bowl team, uh, would see the best of all time, even though it was all about, you know, the defense for the most yeah. part, and Ditka uh, and the offensive line and all that. Or was it Jay Cutler because remember it was Beatle media, Mania when uh Jerry Angelo traded for him you know he i remember Denver. that
0: i was i was thrilled and and i i looked dated rock reference and wonder what happened
2: right dated rock reference everyone said it was Mania in chicago because everyone was like going out of their minds that that the bears finally got a legitimate nfl quarterback to take uh, take us to the promised land didn't exactly so we you know, thought yeah um so you know the debate is whether you know, McMahon actually winning a championship or or Jay being here and being paid like he was going to win a, a championship here, you know, made a lot of money. And I know, you know, he's, he's a friend of the show, uh, of the station, and now doing podcasts and uh, such. But um, Roger Sherman of The Ringer uh, put together this list. And he's a real good follow on Twitter, too, at okay. uh, Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R. But he came up with a formula... Basically, the whole, the, the whole idea of this uh, list in this story is that Justin Fields doesn't have a very high bar to hurdle to, to <laughs> be the best Bears quarterback of all time, right? Right, right. And I so think the, we
0: all knew that going in. Bears
2: are 281 and 278 uh, since 1986, 17th in wins out of the league's 32 teams, you know, almost perfectly mediocre, as he says. Um, <laughs> The Bears rank among the middle of the pack in wins since 86. They're also 30th, 30th in passer rating. Haven't produced a first-team All-Pro quarterback since Johnny Lujak, who, uh, you know, not Larry's brother, in 1950. And he threw four touchdowns and 21 receptions. Wow. So, you know, look, Trubisky did get to a Pro Bowl because four other quarterbacks said thanks, but no thanks, and they finally got to the fifth choice, and it was our guy Mitch. Um but so he put together this point system. Quarterbacks received between one and 45 points for their ranking in two categories passing touchdowns with the Bears and career approximate value according to pro football reference. For example, Cutler passed for the most touchdowns of any Bears QB since 86. So he got 45 points in that category. The first stat reflects how well these QBs performed for the Bears, the second helps put their contributions in Chicago's. And in, into in context, because a lot of them went on to play for other teams. Mm. Anyway, he comes up with a point system, including players who are awarded 10,000 bonus points for being named All-Pro at any point in their NFL careers or for leading the league in any major statistical category as a member of the Bears. Unfortunately, none of the 45 players on the list claim this bonus. So no one got the 10,000. <laughs> Here is what Mr. Is the Bears. The last, the last uh, guy drafted is Mr. Irrelevant, right? Uh, usually in the NFL draft and there's some town out west and that, that flies them in and has a parade and takes them to the diner and buys them dinner. You know, it's it's really some, quite something to be the last guy selected in the draft. Hmm. The last guy on this list list, yep. Mark Hartzell. Mark Hartzell. Do you remember oh, Mark Hartzell? Barely, but yes. Came into a Bears Packer game in two thousand is one of just seven NFL quarterbacks since the 1970 merger with the AFL to throw exactly one career pass, and, yes, it was incomplete. He is deemed the worst all-time Bears quarterback since 1985. Tyler Bray is 44, and uh, he kept his job because of uh, running the practice squad, apparently, uh, but he was actually one of five for 18 yards against the Vikings um, even though he'd been around for a while, he didn't look like he knew what he was doing when he was going out there. Sean Payton was once a Bears quarterback. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. He was one of the uh, the, the uh, scabs, right, during the strike. He, uh, 1987, he came in and uh, went 8 for 23, no touchdowns and interception, and went on to be a great offensive guru in New Orleans and winning championships. And, you know, yeah, apparently- he grew
0: up in Naperville, didn't he?
2: Yeah, didn't he go to Eastern Illinois, too, right? Yep, yep. So did Ryan Pace, unfortunately. Um, Yeah, this list is populated with the names you'll remember, David Fales. Should have been spelled F-A-I-L, but it was Um, (laughs) F-A-L-E-S. And we're only up to 40. I remember Henry Burris. um, Yes, I remember Henry. Todd Collins Collins would make you want a Tom Collins when you watched him. This is not (laughs) not good. Jonathan Quinn. Uh, 36, was uh, lost all three of his starts, but was The not-so-mighty MVP- Quinn? Yeah, was MVP of the 2000 World Bowl-, Bowl after leading the Berlin Thunder to a come-from-behind victory against the Barcelona Dragons. So went on to great things across the pond. I remember, and Jimmy Clausen, I covered him in Notre Dame, and you know, according to Roger here, Mel Kuyper once uh, promised he'd retire if Clausen didn't become a successful NFL quarterback. And Kuiper has yet to follow through on that promise, even though Clawson finished his career with twice as many interceptions as touchdowns. Henry Burris, I was down covering the Bears when they had the season down in Champaign at Memorial Stadium while the, the rehab was going on at Soldier Field. Sure. I remember he actually took a snap and went two steps back and just tripped over his own feet. No one was within 10 yards of him. Henry Burris comes in. That's, at, uh, uh,
0: yeah, that's bad news, Bears, right there.
2: Yeah, comes in at number 34 uh, on the list. So, well, I've about, got a couple of requests. I'm going to throw yes, a couple of names sure. out
0: there. You can tell me where they're at in the list. Eric Kramer, who we got from the Lions. Where now, is I he was, on the list?
2: He is, he is up there. he um, got to be
0: in the top 20 at least. If not, well, the I would top say 10. top
2: 10, right? Yeah. 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 Let, let's take a look because, yeah, I mean, everyone knows Jim Miller comes in. Jim at Miller is
0: another one. Now I was going to bring up Jim too. Yeah, Came from house, the Falcons, a, I believe.
2: Now a houseman for. Uh, for the broadcast team I, I, mm-hmm. a little too much you know bear love when Jim's calling a game but he knows how to keep employed uh let's see Brian Greasy is 11. Rex Grossman he of the small hands uh 10. yes Kyle well Ortman,
0: he, he you know he got us to a Super Bowl well not only him everybody else but you know they ended yeah. up
1: there
2: well everybody you know the debate back then was Kyle Orton came in right and he was good you know he was better than Rex Grossman a lot of people like why why you know why isn't he you know, more Kyle Orton, please was nine um mike tomzak seven still getting uh, so so kramer here's your guy number five number 31, 31 of 32 nfl teams have had a quarterback throw 30 touchdown passes in a given season then there are the bears whose single season passing touchdown record is 29. normally when a quarterback holds a franchise record for 20 plus years the mark is set by a legend someone like marino who still holds the Dolphins' touchdown record? But with the Bears, the record belongs to your guy, Eric Kramer, an undrafted journeyman who played only two full seasons as an NFL starter. How about that? So, but he's still yeah. fifth on the list, and David Dave Craig is sixth. So that tells you. Wow! Top.
0: Really? <laughs> Between five and six. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a steep that's
2: a steep cliff right there. Chris Chandler is eight. You know can you barely remember chris chandler No, ba- i mean i do but barely he played in 2003 while waiting for grossman to develop that led to one of the most washed uh washed up quarterback battles ever chicago going seven and nine chris chandler is eighth on this list which is pretty you, much all you need to know about the bears history of quarterbacks
0: 312 two, 3776 two, three, we'll get back into baseball but Uh, You know, After this break, if you want to jump in and give us a name of a quarterback that you barely remember, we'll find him on this list because I think this is fascinating. We've already heard some names that we barely remember. Uh, We'd love to get your input, 312-332-3776. And again, we'll get back to baseball. 1230 start time for the pregame show with Connor McKnight, leading into Sox and Kansas City Royals. An afternoon game from Kauffman Stadium. It's Dylan Cease taking the hill for the Chicago White Sox. On your home for the Chicago White Sox, ESPN 1000. It's Hanley and Xander. We'll be back in a bit.
1: ESPN
0: 1000,
1: Chicago's home for sports. Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000.
0: It's Hanley and Xander on ESPN 1000 They're having fun with this uh, Bears quarterback list. Ranked worst to first. And we want to know uh, if you want to jump in and give us an obscure name from the past. We'll tell you where they rank on this list. 312-332-3776. Earl from Cicero joins us on ESPN 1000. Hey, Earl.
1: Hey, morning, guys. I got remember a remember back us? in the whiny days, Where was a guy... I remember someone even dressed like him. They went to the Bears game and we played him. Moses Moreno. Moses will save us.
2: <laughs> yeah, it and sounded I, like I, the, I, the Macarena. I also right?
1: also, Jimmy Mack is first on that list, by the way.
2: <laughs> yeah. you, you know what? Jay Cutler is first on the list and Jimmy Mac is second. And that, that where would you weigh in on it? I mean, the guy who won the Super Bowl should be on top of the list. Is that what I Oh, I'm hearing?
0: definitely. Yeah. Definitely. 100%. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah.
2: I agree. I agree. Moses, Moses Moreno, Moreno,
0: where is he on the list? I
2: believe he Thanks, is Earl. 30, let me check, 38 if I remember right. Um, yeah. Mike Hohen, at 30. Oh, boy. <laughs> <Let me.
0: laughs> All these names. Oh,
2: my Craig, gosh. Caleb Haney, Craig Krenzel. Caleb
0: Haney, yes. yes I mean, so, really,
2: so, it's so, it's, so uh, Moses Moreno is 38. You, Moreno, you nailed that. He cr- cracked the top forty on this list because he actually threw a touchdown for the Bears. He now works as a referee. I did not know that Moses doesn't say is he not an NFL referee Is He's a ref- he school referee. Maybe he isn't there. I haven't seen him uh, doing the Ed Hockey League, turning on the microphone and telling me who the holding was on. No, he's but, yeah. laying
0: low. He's laying low. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. If you've got uh, a name you want to throw out there, who was the guy that played for the Steelers? Before Big Ben, and we had him for a while. Cordell Stewart. Stewart. Can we have him?
2: Cordell Stewart, exactly yeah. right.
0: And where is, he, where is he on that list?
2: Uh, I'll have to find him for you. In- okay. Interesting because, you know, the caller said it has to be Jimmy Mack, and we can have that debate too because, you know, either you value the Super Bowl and saying, you know. How could McMahon, you not, though? McMahon wasn't the biggest part of that team, but he was on that team and he led the offense no matter, he, right? He, it, without a doubt,
0: he's number one. Without yeah. a doubt, because all things have to be considered. All right, we go to uh, Bo from Roscoe Village. Bo, what's your quarterback name for us? Uh, yeah, I think it's
3: right before McMahon. Uh, was it Vince Evans?
2: Vince Evans certainly would be um, among, I would think, the top fifteen. So let me get and now. There.
0: Is he on the list
2: because this starts at the Super Bowl? The Super that's, Bowl year. That's true. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah, you're right. He's not on the list. And your guy Cordell Stewart is fourteen. So that fourteen. Okay. Yeah, because well, I'll was, tell you when
0: we got him. When we got him, I oh. had real high hopes because I loved him with uh, the. Steelers, he was a he was, a slash he was at guy, the slash guy of his career. right?
2: You know, as Roger points out, I mean, he was going to. He, he was with his athleticism. He was going to, you know, most of the magic evaporated by 2003 when the Bears brought him in for one sad season in which he completed competed against Chris Chandler, the aforementioned. Stewart started seven games, going two for five in passing. Now think about that. Two and five on the seven games. Two for that's his record. Think about that, Cordell Stewart. You all know, think okay, you know at least it's not a statue back there. The guy's going to run around, create some things, bring some excitement. And they went two and five in the seven games, and he battled Chris Chandler. That was the battle of the washed-up quarterbacks at, the, yeah, at that point. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and you know you go to Jay Culler, right? So he's he he is number one on this list. And again, you can debate between he and McMahon. But the fact of the matter is, the numbers were he was squarely an average quarterback, right? Even though he made a gazillion dollars here and kept getting new contracts that paid him very, very well as if he was an elite quarterback. Mm -hmm. But just to refresh memories, the Bears were exactly 51-51 and in his 102 starts, including the playoffs. His career peaked before they even got to the team. His lone Pro Bowl was with, uh, and 4,000-yard season came in his final year in Denver. But, you know, if you're average, you're the best of the Bears quarterbacks. That's how desolate the quarterback uh, you know landscape has been for the Bears. He uh, Cutler had 154 touchdown passes for the Bears, 23,443 yards and you know meanwhile they went 51 and 51 and he made he, made, he got paid like he was one of the elite quarterbacks in the league. And well, know.
0: we just I guess we thought that if we treated him like it, he would rise to the occasion, and he really didn't. Uh let's see, we've got uh Alf did we talk to Al from Portage Park or is Al next? Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's go to Al. Oh, what's your quarterback name for us from the past, Al? Good morning, guys. I actually had two. I think okay. a caller
2: before me mentioned Vince Evans, but I didn't hear where
1: you ranked them. But the other
2: guy he, he, he was before he was before yeah. the list, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, you know what? Then my other pick—these
0: are guys that I started watching football. Was Vince? Sanders You're going to say Bob, Bob Avellini, right? Bob Avellini.
2: Yeah, oh boy. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right.
3: Bob oh, had an you know interesting off-field uh,
2: life. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's before they did the, the rankings. All right. Yeah. That's those are two quarterbacks when I first start watching the Bears. Uh, those are the two guys that played. So,
2: thanks, man. Uh, all right. Cool, yeah. man. Oh. Yeah, Bob Avellini. He uh enjoyed uh he enjoyed adult beverages. I remember that.
0: Number seven, Bob Avellini.
2: <laughs> Mike yeah, Tomzak is number seven on the list anyway, yeah. Yeah. Well Mike Bob wore the seven on his yeah, first. No, I got yeah. you, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh okay, so Tom from River North.
0: Tom, you got a quarterback uh from Bears Past
1: for us? I got a couple I got a couple good ones. One okay, guy get- I loved to watch was Bobby Douglas, number number ten. Who okay, for, that's, I that's nine hundred and sixty-eight yeah, yards.
0: Yeah, yeah. This this list, and I'm sure if it included him, he would be high on the list. Right. This list starts with the Super Bowl year, and Bobby Douglas. Oh, was,
2: oh. my bad. He, really and sorry. he would, he would, and he had so much velocity right. on his passes, he would kill his receivers, right? Yeah. When
3: you
1: When you think of the best legs, if Justin Fields doesn't have him, Bobby Douglas probably will still be the quarterback with the most rushing yards. I would think that's yeah. almost a thousand yards for quarterback. And so you know who was a really great player for the Bears that kind of went on the Raiders' screen was Steve
2: Fuller. Steve yeah, Fuller. Yeah, where's
0: Fuller on that? He, he backed up McMahon.
2: Yeah. Uh, let's see if he, he, he had to make the list. There he is, 19. Um, yeah, okay, he, he, was
1: pretty, he, was a, he was a pretty good super sub, right? Like He helped him out when McMahon went down over and five, over.
2: He started five games in the 85 Super Bowl season, rushed for five touchdowns. Always be remembered according to Roger who wrote the article This the greatest, worst and only rap verse in the history of second string quarterbacks for the Super Bowl shuffle back up it. So. <laughs> yeah. And the <laughs>
1: other guy was Doug, Doug Flutie, Damby, I guess. That yeah, Doug Flutie. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: That's remember Ditka brought him in against and no one wanted him here and Ditka no. was gonna show everyone that he would he had the right guy and he was gonna be stubborn, Ditka. And that's him yes. from the CFL, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, the the Hail Mary game for Boston College. Who can forget? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. Doug Flutie. Uh, we'll get to him in a second here. He he's got to be he's got to be I don't know top twenty five, right? Just by I would, name. Yeah, I would think. I would think so. I would think
0: so. So uh, fill in the uh, before we go to break. Fill in the uh, the rest of the top ten. We know that uh, we know one and two is uh, Cutler at one, McMahon at two. Yeah, Uh, Doug Doug Flutie, by the way, eighteen on the list. Eighteen, okay.
2: One of the greatest comeback stories in NFL history, but he only had to to come back because his stint in Chicago didn't work out. So you have to you have to bottom out before you come back, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So yeah, so he came in midway through the '86 season, you know, and Ditka was going to have him in, no, come hell or high high water, after uh, McMahon got hurt. And he threw two interceptions, and the Bears lost by two touchdowns uh, in a, in a first-round playoff game against Washington, right? So uh, Richard Dent said the choice of to start Flutie ruined uh, the Bears' chances of repeating uh, because we all thought the Bears were going to be a dynasty, right? And Richard Dent laid that right at well, the doorstep of Flutie. Well, on paper, we yeah. should have been, sure. And, and every more Moore had said about Flutie, everybody wants to squash him. Everybody <laughs> wants to squash him. Uh, but, yeah, we'll go with the top ten because starting at number ten, the top ten Bears quarterbacks since 1985, Rex Grossman. We talked about Rex. Kyle Orton, yeah. the the uh, dynamic duo that actually had some success. Chris Chandler gets number eight on the list just because. Mike Tomczak, who uh, you know was always trying to take Harbaugh's job, right? Dave yeah. Craig. Dave Craig, another
0: Dave had, Craig, another. Guy how many undersized Lions, quarterbacks?
2: Right? Yeah, how many undersized quarterbacks do you need? Right, Dave Craig, best quarterback to play for the Bears since 1986. He, uh, according to the, this is the author's choice. He made the most Pro Bowls of anybody in the list. Only player through for 30 touchdowns in a season. He led the league in touchdown percentage three times and completion percent- percentage once. Of course, all those accomplishments came with Seattle. Uh, Eric Kramer, number five. Eric Kramer, as we talked about, Uh, Mitch Trubisky, Ryan Pace will be heartened over this. Number four of all great Bears quarterbacks. Ryan Pace said, I told you so. And uh, number three, Jim Harbaugh. And then number two, Jimmy Mack. And number one, Jay Cutler, to quote Jay, whatever. Interesting.
1: Very interesting list.